1: Well, hello, Seattle. Hello, Puget Sound, and welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Advance Smollier, your weekend wine guy and your uh, samurai of spirits. Uh, so excited about today. It's October. We're having a great month. Uh, the Seahawks are had their bye week, and, uh, well, hopefully you've had a chance to... Enjoy the fall beers, the seasonal beers, perhaps a little bit of pumpkin beer. And if you haven't had your fill yet, uh, save the date for November 12th and 13th. This is the Holiday Wine Festival, an artisan gift show over at the Seattle Center Exhibition Hall. It's uh, Saturday noon to 4 and Saturday night 5 to 9 and Sunday noon to 4. Three tasting opportunities to uh, indulge in wine, uh, local wine, international wine, spirits, cider, A host of great food and uh, do some gift shopping because we got some great artists and vendors uh, who will be participating. It's holidaywinefest.com. Check it out. Tickets are only 40 bucks, and uh, what a deal. Um, You know, one of my favorite places uh, in the world is France, and anytime we can find that translation here in the United States, I don't have to get the ticket worry about train strikes. Um, one of those locations is RN74. It was started by a Yakima-born chef, uh, Michael Mina, and uh, his trips around the world, obviously to France, and uh, named after the Route Nationale of uh, RN, Route Nationale, 74, which goes to Burgundy. And I'm really pleased to have um, both my good friend, Jeff Lindsay Thorson, who is the advanced sommelier over there. He runs the wine uh, program and spirits program. And uh, right now, um, they I have been blessed with a brand new executive chef, um, all the way from uh, Claire, England, via New Zealand and <laughs> via Chicago to Seattle. Uh, the gentleman's name is Ben Godwin, executive chef. And we're going to chat about Ben's life. Um, hey, so Ben, you're from England. Uh, what do your folks
2: do? What do my folks do? Yeah. My mom is a bookkeeper, and my dad is a horticulturalist. A horticulturist. Yeah. yeah. What is he
1: horton uh, What's he
2: culturist in? Usually just uh, crops. He helps uh, helps out a lot of farmers, goes out to fields, sees what they need. Interesting. Yeah. We'll
1: talk about England. Obviously an island in uh, in the northern Atlantic area where you get storms and rain, much like Seattle. What are the crops that grow there? Um you know, pretty much like
2: anything else. A lot of uh <laughs> a lot of rapeseed. Um a lot of
1: What do you do with that? You make oil out of it? Right? Make oil, yeah. yeah. Rapeseed oil mayo? Amazing. Okay. Yeah. And um obviously you were blessed with a huge bounty here in the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. Um you're from England, you traveled to you got the uh the food bug or I should say the food bug that sounds bad. Um <laughs> the uh, inspiration to be working in a kitchen where? Uh you know, I just uh was in school, needed
2: money and uh <laughs> necessity. And uh, and my mom knew a owner of a
1: local pub and just like Let's go wash dishes. I just got a book in the mail called uh, something like The Pub Life, and they talk about 55,000 pubs in England. Yeah. That's uh, amazing. Yeah. Now, when we think about a pub, um, obviously, you're going to get a beer that's slightly chilled. <laughs> 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 what's what's pub
2: fare? You know, comfort, um, I think, is paramount. Comfort, simple, delicious heartwarming i'd say yeah and so that's the shepherd's pie um shepherd's fish pie chips? bangers and mash bangers and mash, fish and chips you uh-huh. know everyone grew up on that stuff and so you know this
1: way you don't have to make it at home excellent and uh so you went from uh england and you got your inspiration you you your bio says New Zealand. How did you go to New Zealand? That seems a little far away. You wanted to go where's another cool island where they speak <laughs> funny English. <laughs> where they
2: where, where the <laughs> Queen's there.
1: Um so my wife uh
2: is originally from Seattle and we met in London and it was when her visa was up it was pretty much where can we both go work and get visas at the same time for an extended amount of time. So New Zealand. Another Australia. necessity thing.
1: This is interesting. Yeah. I like it. This yeah. is almost uh, a, a destiny. Predetermined <laughs> with you. It's like, I, you. I adapt to what's going on for I sure. Like it. All right. So um you ended up in New Zealand. Now you wanted to be a, a chef, you got in a restaurant. What did you do in New
2: Zealand? Uh so I was already I'd already worked as a sous chef uh in England and uh yeah, just, just carried on. Actually when we first moved to New Zealand I was thinking about just doing something else i was really into music going to do something (laughs) something in a record store and uh and then i just sort of re
1: reignited a passion then itunes came on (laughs) yeah and And i was like yeah this isn't going to work out all right um interesting so you're a sous chef what what's what's been the inspiration of your cuisine obviously you learn we all learn through experience what was your first experience what kind of food was it bangers and mash uh
2: yeah, I mean local pubs. I mean, we, we we're in a, a town in the middle of uh in the middle of nowhere really and it's just pubs around. So that was my first uh first What beer do they drink typically in pubs? Fullers? A lot a lot of IPAs. Uh Suffolk where I'm from is uh there's a lot of local Suffolk, breweries. Uh-huh. Um Yeah, I uh, was... Fullers is uh, Australian. I'm trying to think uh what the english beers are green king ipa was uh, a big thing where i'm from uh, green king brewery is is pretty local so
1: I hope they hear this and send me some money. <laughs> I'm sure they will because they send me lots of money, <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, speaking with Ben Godwin, the new executive chef at RN74, located on 4th Avenue in downtown Seattle, um, a great place. you got a great happy hour and a fantastic menu. You started uh, dishwashing in England. You uh, became a sous chef at a pub. You went down to New Zealand with uh, your soon-to-be fiancé. Uh, you ended up in Chicago? So, um when we returned
2: back to the states uh just after we got married i was waiting for the whole green card process to to go through which if anyone's been through it that's listening knows it's it's quite a process that's why you just sneak under the fence dude uh i won't answer that one (laughs) (laughs) um so you know i couldn't work so where should i go i did a lot of research on restaurants there and uh did a unpaid internship at Alinio. At, uh,
1: Alineo, and that is, uh, I, I said his name was Grant's Achatz. It's actually Achatz. And Grant was here just last year for the uh, Fred Hutch uh, Premier Chef's Dinner as the host. And uh, talk about one of the most brilliant and uh, now celebrity recognized. And celebrity is a word that tends to be more celeb than britty, um, whatever that means. But I'm saying that Grant has molecular wasn't he into the molecular uh what what's his cachet
2: I'd just say just modern food just, modern you know all right techniques to
1: to enhance the dining and how long that was your unpaid internship at yeah, I was there Alinea. a couple of months all right yeah and what what is something you took away that really said wow i'm I, this is this really turned me on to uh, took me to the next level queen's to queen's level four
2: uh you know probably. Just the so the lead by example of, mm. of Grant himself. You know he he was very softly spoken, but you just watched him through the kitchen. Carried a big knife. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but he was, you know, just just watching him work was very inspirational. And then just everyone pushing. You know, everyone's there, they're passionate. They all want to achieve the same thing. So, how many
1: people in the brigade there? Probably about twenty-five. Twenty-five. I'm yeah. gonna say between twenty and thirty. Cause... Yeah. And uh, the specialty is really um, a multi-course dinner, or it wasn't family style. It was really no.
2: When I was there, it was, I believe, about eighteen to twenty courses. Yeah. Uh, two different menus. There was. Uh, and bites, right? Yeah. A lot of a lot of bite size courses or servings, and. Uh, everything was delicious and yeah,
1: mind-blowing. And uh, it's the, the restaurant still exists, um, and it's really the uh, destination. Some people call it that certain list. Um, but uh, I think when when you have that experience, you understand the levels of o cuisine. Now, we can all aspire to that, but it doesn't necessarily turn our friends on and, and make us feel warm and comfortable because when it comes to hospitality and being a chef, you want people to relax and really enjoy themselves. In a place that um, Alinea right uh alinea alinea yeah. alinea is uh one of those experiences, but you can't do it every week no,
2: um <laughs> if you've got a, a large wallet, you can, but you know it's an experience, but it goes with have, a large belly, yeah, I have to <laughs> say that uh you know there wasn't any discomfort or you know you could relax there and just have fun. How did you find rn seventy
1: four How did I find it yeah uh, research actually, uh-huh. Yeah. So you were in Chicago, and your your wife was from Seattle. So you came back to Seattle and started looking.
2: Yeah, we came back to Seattle, and uh, yeah, found uh, found a few spots that I liked, and an RN seventy four was one of them. That was you know that was a few years ago, right? Right when we first opened, and I just kind of followed ever since. That's cool. Well, did you work at some other uh, restaurants? Did you have some other mentorship here in Seattle? I spent some time at uh, at Salish Lodge. Oh yeah. Uh, a little bit of time at Crush cool uh, also wolfgang puck catering which was was also interesting and sure something i'd never experienced before and <laughs> i got to got to go to la in 2013 and cater the oscars which oh, was yeah. a trip for sure
1: um yeah that's right that's that's like virtual reality right yeah. it's not yeah. real it's hollywood uh very cool so you found rn74 how long have you been there almost three months Wow! Yeah. Well, your first trimester. Congratulations! Yeah, thank you. That's thank great. You. Hey, and um, I I gotta say thanks to uh, Heather Jensvold that we had the opportunity to um, to meet you in in your restaurant setting and try uh, your your menu, and I I was very impressed. I think when you think about Rn74, what's the philosophy for the restaurant? You know, we're definitely uh,
2: underlying in French technique and great wine program obviously I and mean, you would know more about that than a lot of people oh, it's
1: great it's super great <laughs> Jeff does a great job
2: and yeah just you know very passionate about what we do trying to push where we are right now to, to become one of the premier dining destinations in the city uh, you know, we have so many great ones here, so I think we deserve to be right up there.
1: Yes, uh, and uh, we all aspire to that um, when you think about trying to create great food that people uh, discuss, talk about, and remember and enjoy and, and come back for. Seattle is one of those locations that uh, we have, like I said, great bounty from Yakima and from the Pacific, the Pacific, North, uh, Pacific Ocean, um, water, mountains, land, et cetera. Um But we're kind of a bedroom community. We're not necessarily a downtown centric. I got to walk around and go to a, to a joint at t- ten p.m. Yeah, we've got you know Capitol Hill and Ballard and uh, Burien and, and West Seattle, Queen Anne, Magnolia. All these places that once we're done, we go home. Mm-hmm. And and so the challenge of, of creating a world class destination is contingent upon having the populace to really support the restaurant. Yeah. not that you're not supportable, but that they, you just how do you engage them? I mean, you probably do a great lunch business, I bet, because it's downtown and people just walk in. We do a great lunch trade.
2: Uh, obviously, a lot of a lot of business lunches. Uh, dinner, it's we try and catch people that are coming down for that special occasion, and that might you know live on Capitol Hill or like you say over in Ballard or Fremont that might not venture downtown to eat. So we try and catch them on that special occasion, and they realize like, this is actually more approachable than than we think. You know, we offer. That's part of it. Yeah. We offer a varied menu, and uh, we've got those higher-priced items, those more approachable items as well, and then our tasting menu as well. Where, where, Which we enjoy. Yeah, myself in the kitchen, just try and have fun with that and you know experiment. That's, that's kind of our outlet. So we just hope to catch those people on that occasion and
1: try and bring them back. I love it. And when it comes to French cooking, there's some staples, but one thing I would say that epitomizes French cooking is great poulet. Mm -hmm. Just world-class chicken with a a jus de poisson and just some accompaniments. But if you can do chicken right, I mean, that truly is like kind of the new comfort food. Yeah. Our our chicken dish (laughs) right now, it's great. It's our top seller. Awesome. Hey, when we come back from this break, um, Ben Godwin's got a brand new dish that he's going to prepare for me. And he says I'm the first one. Who's going to survive to eat it? No, wait. First one, going to try it. And I'm really <laughs> pleased to have Ben Godwin, executive chef of RN74, here in studio. Um, he's brought a bottle of wine, too, from our good friends at Barrisson, a Washington winery, with Tom Glaze and Tom Barisan. Uh, But stick around, folks. We'll come back, and we're going to try a brand-new dish from executive chef of RN74, Ben Godwin, right here on Happy Hour Radio.
0: He's back, and he's in charge. Kirby Wilbur, live and local weekdays 9 to noon. Talk Radio 570 KVI. KVI, want to know weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan.
1: Hey, folks, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Uh, it's time for round two. Hope you got something tasty in your glass or off to some great destination like RN74 on 4th Avenue. I've got the pleasure of having Ben Godwin, the new executive chef at RN74, from England to uh, New Zealand to Chicago to Seattle. He's made his way and now making his mark here. Three months into the gig as executive chef, uh, Rn74, named after Route Nationale 74, going through Burgundy. So if, if you like Pinot Noir and Chardonnay, um, you're going to love the wine list and the menu. So Ben, tell me about your menu. What do you got on there?
2: Ah, uh, you know we got a good mix. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of French technique, uh, also some some uh, Mina classic dishes uh, like the like our tuna tartare and our. Uh, Uh, Mushroom tempura.
1: Mm, Oh, yeah, the matsutake tempura, right? Uh, Maitake. 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 Yeah, yeah, the matsutakes are bigger. The maitake are the tiny ones, right? Yeah, that's a great dish. Do you still have the arancini? We don't. We actually are offering it on party
2: menus ah. right now. So holiday season is coming. So It is. Lucky people who have booked with
1: us can, uh, can try those. <laughs> um, some of the classic uh, uh, main courses you have, and I won't use entree because in French that means the first course but not the main course. <laughs> what are some of the, the dishes that are signature? Uh, we just uh, about two months ago put on uh, Alaskan
2: halibut bouillabaisse. Uh, so lots of fennel, mm. tomato, some clams, mussels, a nice piece right. of Alaskan Naciopino,
1: halibut. Not bouillabaisse. Bouillabaisse. That's right. Yeah. So that's more of the Marseille version, right? Yeah. Down there, uh, I love it. And um, where where do you find? Obviously, Alaska. You said halibut, where, but you're very locally, um, f- resourced sourced foods here. Yeah, I I try and buy as
2: local as possible. Obviously, I'm. Um, if, I, if something's a better quality that's a little bit further afield, then I'll entertain that notion. Sure. Um, But yeah, as local as possible. And
1: uh, how would you classify your philosophy on cooking?
2: That's a good question.
1: All right. I like to... From
2: restaurants, I like to create an experience that can't be replicated at home, or is difficult to replicate at home. So no Top Ramen? No, well, you know, Top Ramen has its <laughs> place, but... You know, maybe maybe a different different version. You All know, right. I, I mean, I I love uh, love top rum. <laughs> What's your favorite dish on the RN74 menu? Oh, my favorite dish at the moment is it
1: different from lunch and dinner?
2: It is different from okay. lunch and dinner. We have a couple of things that cross over. For example, the bouillabaisse you can get at lunchtime. Uh, my favorite dish, you know, I love our chicken dish. That's what I said. As you, as you know as as boring as chicken can be, our dish is is delicious with chanterelle mushrooms, orzi yeah. gnocchi, little beignets on
1: there as well. That's why I said chicken as far as french classics go, it, it's just about the chicken because most of us are like yeah, okay, it's chicken. But no. Great chicken when chicken is done perf- perfectly with yep. the, the gr- perfect amount of jus, uh jus or poisson and um all the accompaniments, it's fantastic. You have a tasting menu. How does a
2: tasting menu work? So we change it first of every month, try and keep things interesting, try and keep the kitchen entertained, and also just try and try and push people's boundaries a little bit, and uh, just come up with some fun stuff. It's uh, a very uh, What's the word? I get everyone involved. Um, collaborative with, effort? Collaborative. That's the word I'm looking for. Yes. Um so we just we play around and you know what, what do we find exciting at the moment um, Matsutakis which are on the dish that, that you're going to try right now just came into season I get excited about those yeah. every year and
1: so it's what, what we're excited about that we can kind of push the envelope a little bit alright so this is a brand new dish let's talk about this dish you plated in front of me it's on a uh, beautiful, beautiful black uh, it's almost like a, a, a obsidian style plate without the shine um, what is this so you have a matsutake cream so we uh, we roasted
2: some matsutakes and blended it with a little cream and uh, some shallot and then you also have a little bit of ahi tuna crudo brushed with a little soy sauce some preserved sun gold tomatoes and then a little raw matsutake just for a little bit of texture and a bit of different flavour
1: wow you know what texture of food is so important i want my fried chicken to be nice and crunchy and crispy but also juicy and this dish has got the um there's a certain pleasure to having raw food like sushi i'm a big sushi fan but you have everything's in balance this this matsutake cream is there some acid in there because i got a little little bit of sherry vinegar all right and um is it just mushroom or is there a little bit of cream in there too just a touch of cream yeah Eh, that's what I know. Um, fantastic. What are you going to call this? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> That's, Matsutake with tuna. <laughs> yeah, matsutuni. Um, very ingenious. I've never had a mushroom, uh, we'll call it a pate for for lack of a better term, because it really is just finely ground mushrooms or, or pureed in, um, with some acidity and just a bit of cream for the coagulate to keep it all together. The tune is fantastic. You sliced this yourself because it almost looks pounded out, but I can tell it's not. No, I sliced it. Yeah, yeah. and these little tomatoes—these are the uh, little cherry tomatoes. I see orange and red. It looks like yeah. We got some golds on there. Uh, we get those from a local farm
2: that that shows up at the restaurant every week. And summer's uh, well, summer's over, but the tomatoes are still holding on a little bit, so we're deciding to. Uh, preserve some of
1: those and and use them for the colder darker months interesting um i don't think i've ever had mushrooms in tuna but this really works that there's a certain uh freshness from the sea you get with uh raw ahi and the mushrooms complement that from the earth it's really a freshness from the forest yeah um very delicate it's very savory it's got great weight in the mouth great texture obviously being fresh and prepared right and before my eyes is fantastic um what a wonderful dish. Uh, we should invite our, our listeners to help name this dish. You got to go in there and see what uh, Chef Ben Godwin has listed. Or perhaps it's the uh, the other people, the people behind the big curtain, who uh, put the menus together. Um, fantastic. You have a happy hour at RN74, which is uh, renowned. Thank you, yeah, uh, 3
2: o'clock every day. Come PBRs in, some...
1: in a shot or something, right? Rain is. Rain is in a shot. Perfect. You know, keep it local. Yes, of course. Well, I'm from Milwaukee, so PBR is always um, local to me. And uh, it's great to have Rainier back. Um, you also have some great appetizers uh, on the bar menu and um, signature dish. What, what do most people order at the bar? Probably our smoked salmon right mm-hmm. now. We're,
2: uh, we're curing and smoking salmon in-house. Just a little bit of creme fraiche with some chive, a little dill, some uh, crispy capers, mm. and some grilled bread. All that's right. uh, that's probably our number one seller at Happy yeah, Hour right now. that
1: sounds good. It's enough to share, but also got all the flavors you want. You want the crispy sour from the capers and yeah. the crunchy b- charred bread, and then, of course, the smoked beautiful salmon. Um, what a treat. I had a great dinner there at R&74. You're open seven days a week. Uh, we're closed on Sundays. Oh, yeah. open seven days a week, except for Sundays. Yep. <laughs> um, and you do a lunch and dinner and a late night,
2: right? Well, so we do lunch and dinner, um, so lunch Monday through Friday uh dinner six days a week. And late night we're open until ten thirty at the weekends. That's when we uh take our seat our last guests. So yes. Come in, hang out, yeah, have, some, uh, have some drinks. Have some
1: drinks. Uh, and you got a great bar staff, and of course, Jeff Lindsay Thorson, um, Advanced Sommelier, who's uh, been there from the beginning, which yep. is uh, a great honor to have somebody uh, local to, well, almost local, and um, good stuff. Ben Godwin, what a fantastic menu. Uh, great to have you in studio, and best of luck with uh, the new venture at RN74. Thank you for having me. Hey, folks, uh, stick around. I've got uh, Kevin Cedar Green with Cedar Green Cellars. We're going to try. We're going to talk about the harvest and try some of his wines. And uh, hey, Kevin, welcome to Happy Hour.
3: Thank you very much, Chris. Good to be
1: here tonight. It's great to see you. It's been a long time. Uh, um, tell me, Cedargreen Cellars is your own property, your own winery. Um, but how did you get into wine?
3: You know, I grew up on a uh, orchard in in Wenatchee, Washington, and all our lives we uh, process, we'd process, we'd can, we'd make ciders, uh, we'd uh, pickles, and you know, preserving fruit and those kind of things was just part of our life. And as we got uh, older in life, I, I was looking at a way <laughs> to uh, spend some time on both sides of the mountains, and the wine the wine beckoned me, and so I went over and went to work at a at a large winery, Coventry Vale, in Eastern Washington. Oh yeah and uh got a good uh, trial by fire there then went to eastern went to uh New Zealand and did a uh, vintage there for a small winery called Crossroads back to uh Coventry Coventry Vale again then back to uh New Zealand for another vintage at Saracen.
1: wow and so then, that's south
3: island so i got one in the north island and one on the south all island all
1: right so yeah. that
3: was uh was an interesting um, exposure
1: and so you're you're kind of salt to the earth. Did your family grow up in Wenatchee over the course of generations, or was it more of a new transplant?
3: Well, you know, my mom's side, my, my grandparents were immigrants, so I'm, you know, second generation there. And then my dad's side, a little bit longer, they were up in the Snohomish area and they grew peas and they had uh, dairy. And then we moved over, I was four months old when we moved to Wenatchee. Okay. And so I got, I was there from uh, ground zero pretty much.
1: Right. Uh, interesting. And. uh so you said immigrants, what's the heritage of Cedar um, S- Green? Swedish. Swedish? Yeah, absolutely. Well, how about that?
3: Yeah, we make uh, make pickled herring every Christmas. Do you, really? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So
1: fun. Uh, so Cedar Green Cellars, um, you know, I know you brought a couple of wines for us to taste, and uh, you've been making, I want to say this is your 11th vintage. 2002 was our first vintage. Uh, okay, so, so we're- I'm a little behind. Fourteen long.
3: years in, uh, yeah. you know, in, in dog and winemaker years, I'm like 112. <laughs> so,
1: so, well, you're looking good. It must be all that resveratrol and the white and red <laughs> wine. Hey, so when we come back from this break, we're going to chat more with Kevin Cedargreen, um, Swedish son of Swedish immigrants, grew up in Wenatchee and uh, has now a uh, a wine project. Fourteen years and continuing, we're going to talk about the vintage and taste some wines right here on Happy Hour Radio. <laughs>
0: Start your day the right way. John Carlson, live and local, 6 to 10 a.m., Talk Radio 570, KVI. You're in the know with KVI Want to Know Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan.
1: All right, folks. Hey, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Happy Saturday night, and I hope you got something great in your glass. Time for round three. And i got my pal Kevin Cedargreen of Cedargreen Cellars, uh, the son of Swedish immigrants. How about that? Go figure. Um, grew up on uh, the orchard in Wenatchee and uh, has uh, enjoyed the uh, agricultural lifestyle for a long time, but you wanted more. You had pickled herring, you had canned apples, you made cider, but you wanted more. Kevin, how did you get into wine?
3: The winemaking... Um It was a as a way to, like I said, live on both sides of the mountains. I like uh, Western Washington and the more progressive lifestyle, (laughs) and uh, but I certainly like getting back to Eastern Washington, especially during harvest. There's a there's an excitement in the air. There's a there's a camaraderie among everybody putting bringing the crop in. That's um it's pretty exciting.
1: Well, yeah, because it's like the long wait. I mean, everyone waits for harvest. What are you doing? Well, you you, know.
3: you wait for harvest, and then you also know, even when you're a kid, that that's it, man. I mean, if you're not making hay in those uh, right. in those three weeks, there's it's a little yeah. dark. Someone's that
1: going hungry. Um, very interesting. So you started Cedar Green Cellars after uh, stints in New Zealand, working harvest, obviously the opposite side of the calendar for us, and the uh, hemispheres, um, but also Coventry Vale. Now that was one of like the first wineries in Washington. I want to say it was like number six or seven or something back in. The the day, but I don't. I was before
3: my time. Where is Cedar Green Cellars? Cedar Green Cellars. Right now, we're uh, <laughs> we've got space in Kirkland, and then I'm also doing some. I'm doing production out in um, in Woodenville. The last two years, I was over in the Prosser Grandview area for over ten years working for Coventry Vale, um, Mill Brant Brothers. I worked at. Uh, Willow Crest. I was a winemaker there for a couple of years. Really, and a lot of these locations, I was able to uh, work sweat equity deals that uh, they would let me make my wine at their uh, locations. Sweat equity <laughs> as part of my compensation for for making their wine also.
1: Ah, interesting. So Willow Crest, obviously that was
3: Dave Minick, and uh, was that pre Precept? That was pre Precept. Yeah. All right. So that was him and his uh, him and his father and um, the local gang and. Uh, it was a great. Um, it was a great place. You know, it threw me in. And said, "Here, don't drown. Swim, ma- swim, baby." And uh, we did. Uh, we made some great wines. And
1: don't breathe too deeply when you're standing over the fermenter. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>, absolutely. <laughs> Interesting.
3: Um, what was the first wine you made? The first wine I made was a uh, was a Sauvignon Blanc. And then a and then a Merlot. I made those the first uh, the first year. Well, you know, of course, I made some wine in uh, in five gallon buckets and stuff. But the first commercial chunk was Sablanc Blanc and Merlot.
1: And where did you uh, did you feel confident in the grape sources? Or were you
3: just excited to have grapes? Because I know there's a per- certain. It's Christmas. I don't care what I get. You know, that was one of the great things about working at Coventry Vale. That was a lot of people in the industry. That was their day job and then on the side they had their own wineries or they had their own vineyards or they managed other vineyards and through my relationship working there it gave me access to like Tom Thorson from that who uh, managed uh, Con- uh, Connor Lee oh right and then the mill brands you know i got to taste all the fruit that came through there and it made it it, I knew where I wanted to get my fruit from after tasting everything after a year.
1: Right on, and so this is uh, two thousand and sixteen. Is it harvests right now?
3: And this is your fourteenth vintage. This would be that. Wow, so In a Washington State. an
1: adolescent, huh? An adolescent I, winery.
3: I am trundling along with uh, with a full head of steam and now, uh, less hair. Yeah, well, with, welcome <laughs> to the club. Of course, um, has it been everything you expected? It has been. You know, the winemaking is an exciting and uh, you know a great part of things that's 30% of the business. You know, it's that 70% of marketing. That, yeah, that's
1: uh, 70% of the fun.
3: <laughs> it is a lot, you know, it is a lot of fun, but uh, I'm only good for about three hours at a tasting bar and then I then I start to lose my patience. So uh, God bless um our some of our marketing yes. people
1: that help us out. Uh, it, it takes uh, a bright, cheery person that is welcoming and you know, we just like, especially when you're so tied to the product. I know that now as I made wine recently that Oh my God, that is my baby, and you I don't want you saying bad things about my baby. <laughs> That's like, part oh. of the game. And, and I then know. you realize, you know, how much work went into it, and then you talk to somebody who is, um, you know, they just got their gig. Hey, it's my, uh, I've been here six months. Great. What do you know about wine? Oh yeah, I know what I like. Perfect. We're gonna have a great. Yeah, it doesn't always work out that way. But um, fourteen vintages. How many wines are you making now?
3: I make about six wines right now. Gasol Blanc, a Chenin Blanc, I do a rose, which has been Gamay Noir the last couple of years. Where's Gamay Noir coming from? Uh there's um there's a couple of vineyards, you know, Jim Willard has some old some old Gamay and then he's planted some additional for some couple of customers and uh there's now I can I can get five to seven tons of that a year if I if I want that much. All right. And uh so that makes a pretty good chunk of wine.
1: Yeah, well f- um and Gamay Noir in Washington State probably one of the the grapes that will um, find itself in, in popularity as we find the climates that work for it. And then when you're making rosé, which is great, you can hang it heavy and you can just crop it a little earlier to maintain that acidity. You're not looking for, it's not a thick skin grape. Well, it kind of gets some color in there, right? But you you just make a great rosé. So uh, that's what, two whites, a rosé, and four four reds or three reds? Oh,
3: I make a, uh, a Merlot, I make a Cab, and then I make the thuya. Which is a merlot cap blend that makes sense uh, you brought two wines today. What'd you bring? I brought the two thousand and fifteen uh, Chenin Blanc and uh you know two thousand and fifteen pretty warm year and uh, this is barrel fermented but in um in five hundred liter puncheons, so not a lot of um, oak on it, but uh, nice um nice lee stirring and a little bit of m l.
1: When it comes to Chenin Blanc, that's really one of the first grapes of Washington, that and Grenache, and uh, prior to uh, many of the other grapes that we're, we're more renowned for. Um, is this the second release, third release for Chenin Blanc? How long have you been doing Chenin Blanc? Gosh,
3: I guess about five or six years okay. now. I, I got, uh, when I turned 50, uh, <laughs> so that was a while ago, uh, we, did a, we did a little Loire trip and uh, oh. I walked into a place called Huey H- 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 or Huey and oh, uh
1: yes. UA. H, yeah. you know,
3: h u e t and i sat down and tasted through seven or eight different chenin blancs oh, and man. said man i want to make it's i want to make amazing. this amazing
1: yeah great acidity um great mouthfeel, obviously with the apple and uh, you can you can have it sort of go from fresh to a little bit of oxidative which gives you this great texture uh chenin blanc is is one of the un uh, less admired grapes uh wines of, of our culture um cuz a lot of people think, you know, they don't like sweets, so Vouvre's out, but it's never about the amount of sugar, folks. Remember, it's always about the amount of acidity, because you can make lemonade, but I can keep adding lemons, and all of a sudden, it doesn't taste sweet. So, um, Chenin Blanc, and I just took a sip of this, and it reminds me of a uh, great classic Chenin Blanc, um, the nice, bright acidity. You said this is punch and it's just got just a hint of texture, but least during Is this
3: eight months on the Lee's? This is, yep, about eight months on the Lee's. You know, we did a fair amount of Lee stirring on this also. And then 40% of the wine we took through ML. Oh, You know, uh, 2015 was a really warm year, and I said, okay, I'm not gonna try to make a, a bright, crisp, lean and uh, sure. Blanc in a year that doesn't lead itself to that. So we went richer, and a little more, like I said, a little more Lee stirring, and then that partial ML, and just to give you more mouthfeel. But um, without the butteriness, there's a, Anyway, there's a nice depth to the wine, and um, I think there's a, it's a nice... There's a bit of a butterscotch on the end there, I am going to say, for
1: Chardonnay lovers, uh, this is a wine that would be right in their wheelhouse as far as um, the, the mouthfeel, the texture, and the weight. Right. And also the finish. I think people that drink Chardonnay, unless you're drinking Yellowtail, and that's nice and yeah. sweet, but um, if you're drinking a quality Chardonnay, you're going to find that it has Lee's contact that has great citrus and apple fruit, and it also will finish with uh, this hint of, of oak, but a lot of times it's about the Lee's, when you add the complexity and the texture. This is a fantastic wine. I'm really, really impressed. I know Chenin Blanc. Did you make Chenin Blanc at Willowcrest? Because they were making Pinot Gris.
3: They were the, they were Gris. Yeah, the, I, right. I was the, the kind of, uh, not odd man out. I The first year I got Chenin Blanc, they gave me a ton. From Jim Willard. Right. Goes, I can get you a ton, and then it went to two, and now, I, like I said, now yeah. it's, um, it's. They want to see what you can do. Wound with up it. a bit,
1: yeah. Um, very cool. What is this uh, Chenon Blanc 2015 run?
3: Um, this this wholesales or I mean this retails at uh, seventeen. was
1: going gonna say eighteen bucks. Yeah. Uh, no, that's a delicious wine. I like that effect that it's uh, screw cap enclosure. It means it's easy access. You can take it to the beach if you're heading to Mexico now and uh, sure. here in October. And it's
3: bulletproof when it comes to um, TCA.
1: <laughs> yes, it's uh, it'll always be good. And I always like to say you can sneak a glass at night. No one hear the cork. No one hears the cork scream. Um, so fun. So uh, how was this harvest this year? I, uh, are you still pulling
3: fruit or? Oh yeah. Yeah, I still got Shannon Blanc to come in and Cap Frank, and um, then some of some, some long hanging Shannon Blanc. Then Shannon Blanc will, you know, I've picked up that on on Halloween sometimes. You know, the same as um, same as Connor Lee. That they're both. I like cool sites. Yeah. I focus on cool sites because they seem to hold on to more volatiles. Right, and um, you know it's interesting as. I believe that we
1: all love vanilla ice creams, growing, like, oh, this is the best. But yeah. we find that, look, there's more flavors and there's other styles. Um, and that's what happens in the wine world. We all want this big, fruity, luscious, smooth wine. But when we realize that, you know what, I want more structure, more texture, more personality. And it comes to cooler sights because anyone can, you know, otherwise we'd be drinking stone cellars <laughs> From California. (laughs) So fun. Hey, um, uh, speaking with Kevin Cedar Green, the man behind Cedar Green Cellars. uh, You're in Kirkland. You make the wine in Woodinville. I got a red wine, the Cedar Greens Merlot. uh, Coming up after this break right here on Happy Hour Radio.
0: Northwest Original. Lars Larson live weekdays noon to three. Talk Radio 570 KVI. KVI want to know weekends continue. Now back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Alright folks
1: happy Saturday night and welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Time for our fourth and final segment and uh, good for me because we're about to dive into some lovely red wine from my pal Kevin Cedargreen of Cedar Green Cellars. He's a uh, It's been in the business for 14 years, but make wine. It's been making wine for a lot longer than that. Um, Kevin, we just tried your 2015 Chenin Blanc, and this is a single vineyard Chenin Blanc? Correct. That's all. That that was Willard. Willard. Yeah. And Willard's, uh, in. It's in the Prosser, Prosser. Hills, right?
3: Now is that Yakima? No, it's Yakima Valley. It's right. out on Snipes Snipes, Snipes. and Gap in that area got out it. there. So,
1: um, beautiful wine. I love Chenin Blanc for natural acidity. Obviously, you've got some texture here, which I think really makes it very enticing and exciting in the mouth, um, but well-balanced and also just thoughtful. You, you take a sip, of like, hmm, this is good, and it's not sweet. I don't get any residual sugar here. No, it's bone dry. Wow, which is uh, great, because I think the least texture adds some of that creamy mouthfeel that doesn't sort of uh, sting when there's no sugar. I mean, and remember, the brain is always, we've been conditioned to eat ripe fruit. So anytime we get all those ripe fruit phenols, we associate it with sugar. And that's why some people think wine is sweet, because your brain says, oh yeah, I've had this before. It's sweet. No, it's not. Uh, Red wine, Merlot. um, Merlot was back, right?
3: Merlot never left, man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Um, I'm going to drink more Merlot. That's what it is. And, uh, Congratulations! This was the second wine you made. You said Sauvignon Blanc and Merlot was the second. Those are the two I kicked off with. Okay, yes. so uh, tell us about this 2008.
3: This 2008 is off of both Connerly and uh, Clifton Hill vineyards. Um, these were my best best barrels of uh, I of Merlot. I rack everything barrel to barrel, so every barrel has its own little personality. Mm. I pick out the eight to fifteen favorite barrels and blend them together. And you know Merlot has got more depth more interest in washington state it's the it's the cab sab of washington state it's 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 my favorite wine, and so that's why i, I like uh, i like to focus on it it is not a uh it's not some blundering um right. juggernaut coming through it's um it's lith and uh it's, and it's not Merlot, one.
1: it's mare high everybody this is really the <laughs> pinnacle of one of washington state's grapes now um this is quite interesting because this has great freshness for being 2008, which was uh, an average to cool year, if I recall, especially if you're getting fruit um, in cooler sites. It's going to have that structure that, that Bordeaux has, but you also have ripe, polished fruit here. And I'm getting 25%, 30% new oak? Yep, that's just about right. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm tasting. Uh, this is a fantastic expression. I'm surprised to, to, to taste the 2008, to have it to be this fresh. And uh, this pronounced as as polished and not seem tired at all. That's
3: great work. The acid on it is just is fabulous. There's nothing nothing's been added to it. You know, this is just um, this is actually the first year that I had wine that or the grapes that came in at the right bricks that I didn't feel was going to be too hot or too lean, and um, it just came in it came in perfectly. And I love what this you know what this grape can what this grape can show. Um, Looking at your label,
1: it's a very uh what else call I don't want to say simplistic, but um it is very subdued in that it's uh rectangular. You've got four colors red, white, black, and a little bit of off gray or battleship
3: or green. What's the red square for? The red square is a nice strong mnemonic. That uh, if you taste this wine, if you're out at a party one night, the next day you can walk into a shop and say, "I had this wine I really liked. It has a red square on the front." All right, and that at least gets you close to me as opposed to a uh, there's it has a picture of a house and gold lettering. Not on a there. red
1: bicycle or not a red truck. Huh? <laughs> it's a red square.
3: Uh, congratulations. And cedar green is
1: spelled C E D E C E D E R G R E E N cedar
3: green, um, and that is your father's Swedish. Yes. Yep, my father's Swedish. Well, my mom was the uh, more recent, uh, um, pr- you know, transplant transplant, transplant to the U.S. But my dad's yeah, primarily Swedish, a little Norwegian. There might be a touch of English thrown in there. Somewhere. Oh yeah, there's always a touch of something, right? Absolutely. Uh, um,
1: congratulations! Hey, it's great to get reconnected. It's been it's been a long time. I probably haven't seen you in six or seven years, unless we had a tasting, probably at Wine Rocks or something. But I remember that. Um, the Chenin Blancs, fantastic. Eighteen bucks. This Merlot is in that twenty-eight dollar range.
3: No, this this Merlot is my is my oh. smallest production factor,
1: ah. and um, but, you know it retails at forty-two. All right, because I'm saying I was hoping it was twenty-eight, but this is <laughs> really a delicious. Um, one of the best Merlots, I think, I've ever had. I mean, you, talk, you talk about Pedestal, we talk about North Star, um, and a host of other great Merlots, but this is Connor Lee fruit, you said?
3: Connor Lee and, and uh, Clifton Hill. Yeah,
1: and I know that Beauty is a big proponent of Connor Lee fruit, and they've they done have been. some fantastic things. Kevin Cedar Green, do you have a website?
3: Yep, cedargreensellers.com.
1: Fantastic. Great to reconnect, and congratulations on some delicious wines, and good luck with the rest of Harvest. Thank you very much, Christopher. Hey, that's Kevin Cedar Green of Cedar Green Cellars. You can check it out, C E D E R G R E E N. Um, hope you had a, a good time on the show, folks. If you got hungry, check out uh, RN74 and also check out Cedar Green Cellars. The Chenin Block's fantastic. It'll go great with Thanksgiving, as will the Merlot. And if you want to find the perfect wine, head on down to the Holiday Wine Fest at the Seattle Center. November 12th and 13th, HolidayWineFest.com. If you're ever out and about with friends and having a good time, remember, folks, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers!